Hello and welcome to Personal Threads. A podcast where we go behind the seams of the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Ascot Racecourse, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform our personal style. Each week, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a voyage through their life and personal style, stopping at moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' very individual taste. Whether you're donning your finest for Royal Ascot or wrapping up in tweed for the jump season, sartorial elegance and style is in the very fabric of Ascot Racecourse. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, a creative director, stylist and contributing editor to British Vogue. Hello, I am Scott Wimsett, a fashion industry commentator and consultant. My career in digital and broadcast has spanned almost 20 years from presenting for MTV and Vogue TV as a presenter and director. Our guest today, June Sarpong, is a recognised face in British television. June started her career as a DJ and presenter on MTV, Kiss FM and T4. June Sarpong was a co-host of The Pledge a weekly current affairs shows on Sky News and has also been on the panel of Loose Women. In 2019, June was given the extremely important role of Director of Creative Diversity at the BBC, where she is responsible for improving the BBC's on-air talent portrayal and commissioning, developing strategies to support both on-air and production talent representation across the BBC and its partners. She dedicates much of her time to helping women, young and unrepresented women. June has worked extensively with the Prince's Trust for two decades and also campaigns for The One, Product Red and the United Nations. June was one of the youngest people ever to receive an MBE for her services to broadcasting and charity. And since 2020, she's received an OBE. Hello, June, and thank you. Welcome so much to Personal Threads. It's a joy to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Susan. And it's so good to be with you both. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We're thrilled. We're really thrilled to have you. Now, June, we're going to throw through some questions and excited (laughs) to step through your style journey. Amazing. I'm very, very excited. So they say you are what you wear, June. What would you say your style says about you? You know, it's funny, Susan, especially talking to you, who is the style queen, and Scott, you're incredibly dapper. I have to think (laughs) very carefully how I answer this question. It's funny, I think when I was younger, clothes meant something Mm. else to what they mean now that, you know, I'm in my 40s and I think clothes now are about comfort but also about what I enjoy as opposed to what's in. So when I was younger, I was much more aware about trends and what was in for whatever summer or winter. And I would be much more in tune with fall collections, spring collections. You know, now I'll wear whatever (laughs) I want, whether it's in or not. And I think that's what comes with age and confidence. 
And I was much more bothered about name brands. And the narratives have changed because it's all about who you're with and where you were going out. And now it's more about, well, actually, I've got this event to go to or I'm hosting something or you have to go into the boardroom. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. Speaking of the boardroom, obviously, the past two years, the boardroom has been your bedroom. And the the boardroom, the the boardroom's for your kitchen. Having to now come out of posh top half, Tracky bottoms on the second half <laughs> is an adjustment because I yeah. actually really enjoyed that. I think we need to bring in a trend of, you know, tracksuit <laughs> bottoms and slippers and like really posh tops. <laughs> I can definitely see that coming down the runway. <laughs> I'll be the first to sign up. So, June, if you had to define your style in three words, what would those three words be? I would say the three words would be form-fitting. I tend to like form-fitting clothes, especially mm-hmm. while I can still wear them. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think aspirational yet accessible. I tend to mix designer. I don't buy as much high street anymore because of sustainability, but I'll buy a lot of vintage. And I've started going back to my old stuff. So I'm almost like shopping again in my wardrobe. And it's so nice to discover things that you'd completely forgotten about. And fun. I like to be fun with the clothes that I wear. So you've kept quite a lot of pieces over the years, would you say? You've got sort of a few closets. My good pieces, pieces. yeah. And also that's the other thing now, again, from a sustainability perspective, I'm much more about quality and the kind of stuff that you can wear for years and that are more timeless. So definitely, whereas when I was younger, I spent a lot of money on very cheap things and had lots and lots and lots of them. But now I'm much more about timeless pieces that I can wear again and again and that will stand the test of time. Perfect. Forever pieces. So can you tell me what was it a childhood memory that you can go right back and think, wow, I remember that outfit that that aunt was wearing or what I was wearing, something that was poignant to can you? Can I give you three? So the first... Yes, yeah, give us three. Yeah. So the first was my parents split up when I was seven and my father mm-hmm. then moved to America. And so my summers were always spent going to the States to visit my dad. And the first trip that I made when I was I think I think I think I was about eight and I went on a plane on my own you know all of that and got to LA back then you'd have somebody look after you from the the air hostess or whatever so got to America and the first thing I wanted not oh let's go and (laughs) see family whatever was dad I want a pair of Nike Air Jordans which was when they first came out wow and wait for this not only did I get a pair of Nike Air Jordans, but I got <laughs> the blue and grey ones that weren't available in the UK. Yes. So for a year, I was the girl from Walthamstow with the blue Air Jordans. <laughs> so you were a style leader. Yeah. And everyone knew me because I had the Air Jordans. And then the other, I would say, is, do you remember when those comic strip denim outfits came up? So you had the jeans that had, like, the comic 
Lina, do you remember? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do remember yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. Who was that? What was that brand? I can't even remember, but it was the thing that every teenager had to have <laughs> in the 80s. And so my mum had promised to buy me a suit for my birthday. And it was like the thing that I was so looking forward to. And I was so rude to my mother just before. So she didn't buy me the jean suit. And I cried and cried and cried. I think it was like my 12th or 13th birthday. At that age, that would have meant everything, wouldn't it? Everything. And also I was getting ready to go to my party in my outfit that, you know, I <laughs> told all my friends about that was coming. I cried and cried and oh, cried and no. bless her. She caved in a month later and then I got it. But it meant more to me because of what it taken to get it. <laughs> From there, it evolved to shell suits. Yes. Alibabas and then wallabies. So that was what it evolved to oh from God, there. Yes. Yeah. Clark's wallabies. Yeah. That's what everyone wore. And then also, I don't know if you did this, Susan, but we also had, particularly in Walthamstow, where you had quite a large hmm. black population, we had the yes. finger waves, which the Americans were doing. So we had the finger wave hairstyle where you'd have the sort of waves. Oh, God, yes. And, then, and you'd have, I never could get it right. It always was ruined. It was rubbish. It was really bad. And I used to think, how did they do it? With rollers and things? And I tried. We, there was no YouTube then to find out how to do it. It was with a comb. So you'd put the gel in and then you'd comb and then do that and then you'd straighten and then you'd sit under a dryer to set these waves. And so... <laughs> So I had the finger waves to go with the wallabies and the shell suits. So that was that. But the other outfit, which really meant a lot to me, actually, was my mother was very glamorous when I was growing up. And she loved clothes, loved, loved, loved clothes. And she had this wonderful off the shoulder green multi-layered flowy dress it was stunning mm. I'll always remember because I remember looking up at her and thinking oh my god how mm. gorgeous are you and for me having that kind yeah. of mother was so affirming in terms of the self-esteem that mm. I developed for myself definitely without a doubt looking up to that vision just yeah. like wow it's quite angelic and yeah. almost like a queen as well because I think growing up, we were used to all those fantasy movies. So it's like that image of, whoa, with the dress and the floating. It's just such a powerful image to remember. It really is. That is really incredible. So who was your biggest style icon? I think Janet Jackson, for sure. I mean, the best ever. And the woman who really was my original style icon, which is why I wanted that denim suit in a damn first place, was Ola Ray from mm. Michael Jackson Thriller. And then also Diane Carroll in Dynasty. Oh, my gosh. She was gorgeous and so oh, glamorous. She was incredible. <laughs> she was the one having the spats with Alexis. Yeah, Joe Collins, yeah. <laughs> Joan Collins, Alexis. Oh, yeah. I love that. You would look forward to that every week. It was just brilliant. And they were just two excess of diamonds, of fur, of everything, wasn't it? And it was really a style battle on every level and a verbal battle with them. They were both iconic. Iconic. They? they were, and you know, the wonderful thing is, I mean, those two women were so fabulous. And when you look back at it now, they were in their late 40s when they were filming that show. And think about what they did in being glamorous. They were the women that were desired, they were powerful. It was such a great example mm. of female strength, albeit a bit kitsch and over the top. 
but still, yes. yeah. We like a bit of kitchen over the top, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> we do. And how that actually influences fashion in that way. I mean, I know Susan was rocking out a great look during Ascot. It was a preen piece, but it had big shoulder pads. And it was like, wow, I haven't seen that for it a while. It was, wasn't it? I was bringing back the 80s. Did you have a sense of what you thought fashion and style should look like? Yeah. Like coming into the industry, did you know what that image should look like for you? Yeah, when I came into the industry, I was very young. I was 16 when I started Kiss FM. And again, imagine I was so lucky. I was working alongside some of the most stylish people in the country. You know, at the time, Lisa Ianson was the coolest girl mm-hmm. in Britain. And I was lucky enough to be working with her. Definitely she was. Oh, she really was. Remember, she used to wear those baby doll dresses. And she created this cool style. She'd have her hair slicked Mm. with a ponytail. And then, obviously, all of the music from that era, all the pop stars from Betty Boo, all of them used to come in to kiss. So I would be around all these amazing pop stars from such a young age and just be able to see that kind of style up close and personal. And it definitely rubbed off on me, for sure. Yeah. So, June, Mm -hmm. do you have any standout memories, good or bad, of your fashion at that time in the 90s? You know, when you look back and you think, I cannot believe I gave that a go. Or actually, you look back and go, do you know what? (laughs) I completely nailed that. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are... Lots of examples of, I cannot believe I gave that a go. And it's funny, (laughs) if I scroll a little bit forward, if I may, to when I started in television. So probably by this point, I must have been about 21 or something. And I won Maxim, was it Woman of the Year? I won Maxim something. And to the awards show wore the most horrendous outfit where I had a bejeweled headband, multicolored braids, <laughs> this red ra-ra top with a denim ra-ra skirt and then blue or purple python boots. Ooh. And Ooh. after winning the award, I also won the award for worst dressed in Heat magazine or somewhere <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, that must have been a great night. I was oh, really happy, actually. I've got both gets, ends of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah, and it gets better. I had on purple lipstick with a black line around it as well. I mean, good nice. Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you obviously felt you looked a million dollars. Until, you know, he or whoever it was reminded me, oh, no, you don't. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be your on-screen mishap, really. You haven't had any other fashion disasters on screen live because you've done a lot of live TV. Yeah, I've had loads. I mean, straps have fallen and you're secretly holding the back of your dress up in a live link. I mean, yeah, especially when you're dealing with mic packs which are really not designed for dresses. No, because they're super heavy, so they drag super everything down. Heavy. Don't yeah, they? they really do. I remember one year, Smash It's Pole Winners, the dress itself yeah. was great. I think the dress may have been Versace or someone. But I put it on with these scary boots by Claudio Marazzi's that was open toe, multicolored, 
and it just really didn't work with the dress. Again, those pictures are around somewhere. <laughs> to haunt you. You've obviously worked with stylists and designers for all sorts of different appearances and red carpet and shoots and editorial. Yeah. So has that, would you say, helped mm. influence your style? You know that way if you work with somebody like Susan, like an amazing stylist, yes. that you kind of go, actually, they really yeah. know what they're doing with my look and I'm really yeah. going to take that and keep that with me as part of my style. Yes, and you saw the difference. I worked for years, particularly during the T4 years and all the TV I did during that era, with Robert Morrison. Robert was brilliant in sourcing some fantastic pieces and just putting looks together mm-hmm. that, again, were accessible for who our audience was, but could still push the boundaries a bit in terms of designers, etc. Mm. So those were really fun years. And, and now it's much simpler in that now I'm more in offices or giving lectures or whatever. So it's much more mm. suit-based and corporate chic as it were but back in the day when I was doing a lot of TV you could just go all out in terms of outfits because that was the whole purpose of those jobs is that your outfits almost needed to speak as much as you definitely and even now in the boardroom your outfits do speak in that sense as well working as you know a writer producer diversity everything that you do it's a different reflection of yeah. who you are now yeah, isn't it yeah very much so so you presented and hosted hundreds of important and major events including Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday mm. which was in front of 30,000 people yeah I mean, when you were thinking about that what was your thought process am i going to go to a designer or did you have a stylist at the time yeah i worked with robert on that And the first thing was because I was Mm. going to be on stage for such a long time in that I was doing the whole show and the whole show itself was, I think, seven hours or something because you had all the different time zones. Wow. We had to figure out something that was going to be comfortable and something that would work Mm. regardless of whatever the weather was that day because even though it was in the middle of July, you still couldn't guarantee. We were lucky we did get good weather, but (laughs) as you know, in London, you never know. And so I had a beautiful kaftan by Butler and Wilson. Mm. So Butler and Wilson made the kaftan. And remember, they used to have all of their chunky jewellery and stuff. So they put one of their pieces actually at the centre of the kaftan. And it was black, but Mm -hmm. with orange embroidery all around it. And then a big, massive, round coral brooch in the middle of the kaftan. And then Mm. we had some really comfy boots by Balenciaga, which were not high. They were sort of a little block heel. So again, I could walk all day in them and be fine. And knee length. And then the leggings, actually. We had these glittery leggings and they were by Topshop. That sounds like a great look, actually. But it was great the way you mixed in the high and the low, or the low Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. It's quite timeless, actually. It was. Like, I would totally wear that outfit now. And it was comfortable. That was the thing. You could move around. Do you still have those pieces? I do. I definitely do. Boots I still wear. I mean, Balenciaga gave them to us for the show. And that is what, 12 years ago, maybe more? I can still wear them now. They have lasted and they look the same. Brilliant. Yeah. That sort of connects to your point, doesn't it, about investing in fine pieces that actually are made to last. Really looking after your fashion. And actually it can service you for many, many years afterwards rather than absorbing up fast fashion and then after the season and it's done. Obviously, we've spoken a bit about how we can really use the power of fashion, but I'm interested in talking about how you do it to sort of 
create an impression. Like if you're going to going into a boardroom or maybe there's an appearance of some description, just talking about the how you use fashion as a tool to make an impression, almost as like a uniform sometimes to articulate your values and your principles. I know you've mentioned a little bit about sustainability. Mm, yeah. Well, I think it's really important to use fashion to be a physical embodiment of your values. So I try where possible to support new and young designers and smaller brands as well. In those instances, I also try to buy because I think it's really good to be able to support small businesses yeah. as opposed to just borrowing. The big designers, I'll borrow. And often, luckily, over the years, I've been given a lot of stuff too. But the smaller ones, I always buy. In terms of, like I said, from a sustainability perspective, now I'm much more mindful Before, the focus of my decision-making around clothes was about whether or not I liked something. That is no longer just the case. Mm -hmm. Now it's, do I like it, but can mm -hmm. it last? And like I said, I've found that I'm buying less, but spending more. And also mm. looking at ways to rewear things as well. You know, no more is it just, oh, you wear one thing once and that's it. And I used to collect Fendi baguettes. So I have so many. And again, those are ones that I always still use. Wow. They're having a comeback. They better. The baguettes. They, are, so, they were um, major. Keep your hands on those, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. They'll be worth a pretty penny, no. some of the ones you've had, because I've seen your bag collection of Fendi yeah, baguettes. And it's quite <laughs> impressive. I had some good ones. <laughs> You really do. <laughs> so with your style now, are you more experimental with your personal style? Or now because you've got a little bit older, but the nature of what you're doing has changed. Yeah. Are you a little bit more safer? Or are you like, actually, I'll try that. That looks interesting. I, for sure, I'm open to trying mm. new looks and stuff. But there is a barometer in which it all goes in, in that I can't mm. turn up to a board meeting in a short mini dress that, a ball yeah, gown. or a ball gown that'd be ridiculous <laughs> there is definitely yeah. a uniform but I like to experiment within that sort of uniform as it were so you've had an MBE and an OBE so you've been to Buckingham Palace twice what did you wear on both occasions and did they change in style yes they did change so the first one Philip Tracy so kindly made me an amazing fascinator mm. and Armani made me a wonderful suit And so, Mr. Armani, we had done actually One Night Only, which was the sort of big event he mm. did in London, um, which was almost like his own fashion rocks. And it was in support of Bono's Red campaign. So literally, this event was yes. insane in terms of the people that obviously that only Mr. Armani could pull together. So you had the whole of Hollywood there, <laughs> as well as fashion royalty. And it was this amazing event. And... I was so lucky. I mean, I was really young at the time and I was booked to present it. But I also then presented a show for Channel 4 where we did the making of One Night Only. And so mm. I spent a lot of time with him filming and he was so sweet. And so he made me this amazing red dress, which I was allowed to keep, which I still have, which Ooh. is the dress that I wore to present the event. And that's actually my favorite look of all time. It was one of those where everything worked. 
the dress worked, my hair worked, the makeup worked, you know, whenever anyone asks for mm. a picture, I'm like, take that one, take that one. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so because of that, when the MBE came up, we asked and he kindly said yes. And so I had this white suit, which was a fitted white jacket, black silk shirt, and then beaded tuxedo pants. So it was like a monochrome mm. suit that they made for me. And then with the black Philip Tracy fascinator. I would still wear that now. I think I would have happily worn that yes. again for this time. And then for the OBE, I'm just a big fan of the deck. And I'd been waiting for the right event yes. to be able to wear one of their suits too. And so once the OBE happened, I called Daisy, who owns the deck, and I was like, you know what, I'd love to wear you. And she and I have been talking for a while about when the right thing came up. And I was like, I'd love to wear one of your suits. And so we got this lovely three-piece mm. suit, white. I wore a trilby by Hatters. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That sounds amazing, June, because I know we actually had uh, Daisy as one of our guests um, on Personal Threads. And I think it's that thing when we're talking about sustainability, it's sort of investment in those pieces that will last with you forever. But also, I'm quite interested if we are looking at the purpose of fashion and style in a modern world, it's suddenly very interesting where we get to, yeah. isn't it? Because we've got a lot of stuff here on the planet. And we really do need to realise that yeah. actually you're either buying really fine pieces or you just don't need to buy yeah. new stuff because we've got it here. Now, I'm sort of imagining you are quite good at this, but are you a little bit of a thrifter? Do we find you possibly scouting around LA charity shops, thrift shops? Is that something how you do about building a look? You know, it's funny, Scott, I'll be honest. I now, as I've gotten older, hate shopping. I am not one of these women that likes to go shopping. And I'm not someone that will be in a shop trying on a, tons of clothes. I actually never try on clothes. I can tell by looking at something if it's going to fit and if it's going to work. Online shopping was made for me. Like, that is just heaven for me. Like, I see it, <laughs> I order it, it comes great. I don't need to think about it. So I'm not mm -hmm. really the person that's going... I do that more for furniture pieces. So I'll be going into nice. sort of antique shops and stuff for like to find really cool antique furniture, but I don't necessarily do that with clothes. But if I'm walking past someone and I see something in the window, I'm in and I'll buy it and go. That's, I'm very decisive. So even the other day I was doing a photo <laughs> shoot and the stylist had like a million clothes and I was like, nope, it's those two. She's like, you sure? You don't try anything? I was like, no, 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 it's those two. And, and it was fine, it worked. You are a stylist dream. How do you think that fashion can empower the young women that you work with? Because you empower women in so many different ways through education and setting up the right systems for them to thrive in, in every way. Mm. But how do you think fashion can do that as well? Well, I think, you know, and both of you know this from the work that you do, I think people underestimate mm. what clothes do, particularly for women, in terms of how the right outfit can completely change how you feel about yourself, mm. how the right outfit can completely change how you engage with the outside world and how, let's be honest, unfortunately, it is the case, how mm. the outside yes. world sees you. And often we sort of downplay clothes and we think it's frivolous and we poo-poo just how important they can be and are. And obviously what we need to do is allow mm. people to wear what they want to wear and feel comfortable wearing whatever they want to wear. And I think we need to remove a lot of the snobbery that's in the fashion industry. But let us not 
underestimate the power they have in informing how we feel about ourselves and that actually clothes can be a force for good. And when you look at charities like Dress for Success or SmartWorks, it shows that. Women who perhaps don't have the same access to clothes in the way that we all do, when they are given amazing Mm. pieces, the confidence that they have to then go into an interview, it's transformative. And, And I think it really matters. So for me, when I'm working with young women or even the young women in my family, I often say, find the stuff that makes you feel good about yourself and see that as part of your armory. Mm. That's part of your toolkit for being able to do the work that you do in the way that if it's a job like mine, whether it's research and learning about a topic and educating yourself or even voice coaching, all the things that we all have to do in my industry, that's part of the toolkit. That's the same as clothes. Yes. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's very, very important. And I love that you work with SmartWorks as well because that is such an incredible charity and I've worked with them. And just seeing the women when they go into the room to be starred and what they look like when they come out, the confidence and it feels like a weight's been lifted off their shoulders. They just come alive. It's incredible. SmartWorks, I haven't worked as closely with, but I've been up close to the work that they do and I I love it. They do such great Mm. work. So we're going to do some quick fire questions. Okay. And you have to be quite disciplined. You have to choose one and I know it's going to be hard. So let's just (laughs) get a go. All right. So front of camera or boardroom? Oh, now boardroom. But it helps to have front of camera. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next question. Sarong or beach dress? Ooh, beach dress. And preferably one by Daniela Halliel. We like anything by our girl, Daniela. (laughs) (laughs) You've got loads of those, darling. You've got tons in your wardrobe already. And you know what? They are timeless. Early morning or late night? Early morning for sure. I'm not a late night person. I go to bed early. I'm only out late if I'm out. But if I'm at home, I'm usually asleep by 11. Okay. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. I don't eat sweet. I don't like sweet. Madonna or Lady Gaga? Okay, I'm going to answer this controversially. Madonna, (laughs) Madonna, just as an overall icon. Lady Gaga for her, her vocals. Ooh, that's good. Mm. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Yoga or bar class? Yoga, no, no interest in bar. New York or LA? New York. Brunch or lunch? Brunch. Vintage or rental? Vintage. I still like to have my own clothes, but I'm all for rental. <laughs> I'm going to go with vintage. <laughs> Full length or super mini? Ooh, Susan. Now, if you had asked me (laughs) 20 years ago, I would have said super mini. And I still like a good mini, but I'm going to go with full length. (laughs) I thought that would be controversial for you. (laughs) High boots or flats? Flats. Lockdown has messed everything up. I can't do heels the way I used to. I literally have (laughs) to have flat shoes with me at all times. I'll wear heels, but I'll always have flats in my bag now. Tailored or bodycon? Ooh, (laughs) bodycon. Like I said, well, I still can, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely still can. (laughs) Definitely. Old print or block colour? 
Bold print. Sunnies or wide brim hat? Wide brim hat. I don't really wear sunglasses. Wide brim hat. That's interesting. Why do you not wear sunglasses? I don't know. I've never been comfortable with them and I can't see properly out of them. I'll wear them if I have to, but if I'm on holiday, I'll rather have a sun hat. It's chicer as well, isn't it? Have you ever been to the races or another sporting event? Obviously, our host is Royal Ascot and we've been up there all week just having the most fun time looking at the exceptional fashion. So is it something that you've been to before? Of course, I've been to Royal Ascot itself many times. It's a fun day out, isn't it? And it's just so wonderful to see everybody dressed up and the food is great. And they tend to get lucky with the weather. I've never been to a rainy Ascot. Why? (laughs) Well, we were quite lucky with the weather this year, weren't we, Scott? We had four blistering days. Mm. And then the last day we had a tiny bit of rain, but not that much. It was quite good. It's always Glastonbury that gets the bad weather and Ascot stays sunny. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful venue as well. So who are your go-tos for occasion dressing? Is there someone in particular that you're like, okay, as we know, you don't have to think about whether that will fit you or not. You know what suits Mm. you. But who are your go-to brands? Well, I think for workwear, for business attire, always Mm. it's Burberry often. I can't go wrong with a good Burberry suit. I have lots of them. And I can mix and match as Mm. well. You know, Ricardo's done such a great job with the last few seasons. And the new trenches are great. So I have a couple of those as well. In terms of more affordable workwear, I'm a big fan now of The Fold. I wear a lot of their stuff. And what's nice is their stuff you can stick in the washing machine. I love, actually, if you want to sex it up a bit, as it were, but still in a workwear mould, VB, I mean, she just gets that cut right, doesn't she? I mean, it's just, yeah, I love Victoria's stuff. And (laughs) she's the perfect model for her clothes, you know. I'm always looking on her IG, I'm like, oh, Victoria. (laughs) 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 Can we have that, please? In terms of designer, like if it's a gown, obviously Roxanda. I wear her quite a Mm. bit. Love her stuff. Someone who I really like that I haven't worn, but I just love all the stuff that he's been doing is, oh God, Laquan is American. Oh, Laquan Smith. I think it is. Yeah, whenever I see one of the Hadid girls in something major, it's always Laquan Smith. So, yeah, there's lots of... And I love British designers. I think it's great to support Mm. our locals as well. Well, you do work with the British Fashion Council as well, don't you? Yes, yes. So the great thing with them as well is I get an insight into the new ones that are coming up, which is always great. Oh, you know who I wore the other day? And I was like, oh, my God. It was Richard Quinn. Love Richard's stuff. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, he's brilliant. Major. Absolutely. I love just the playfulness, the flowers, the boldness. And it's quite subversive as well Very. with the, all the PVC, but yeah, it works. it works. With the PVC or without yeah, it? Yeah, it just works. I'm feeling me some Richard. <laughs> <laughs> June, what's the oldest item in your wardrobe? Me. that's brilliant that's a brilliant answer (laughs) you definitely won't throw that out I'm the oldest item in my closet (laughs) (laughs) excellent answer what is your guilty pleasure in fashion oh what a great question my guilty pleasure in fashion is I am a full on At my core, I wish I'd been around at that time, is disco era. So any opportunity to do a disco's (laughs) 
fancy dress party, I do. So I can just <laughs> unleash my inner Donna Summer and Diana Ross. That's it. I love glitter. I can't tell you how many pairs of glittery jeans, <laughs> glittery leggings, glittery spandex that I have in my closet. You are a disco ball. <laughs> so do you have a glitter ball at home? No, but I need one. Now you've implanted something you in my head. I'm going to get one. I think we need to send you one. We'll send you a Royal Ascot disco ball. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> what trend would you like to see disappear? I think it's disappearing anyway, is the idea of trends anyway and yeah. seasons in the same way that we're having much more gender-fluid clothing, I think we're beginning to have seasonless clothing as well. Why should you have to wait for however long before something that you see on the runway is available in store and so on and so on? So I think all of those models are being disrupted in fashion. And I do think that we're going to have a much more mm -hmm. year-round way of being able to purchase Definitely. Well, it all falls into the circularity of clothing yeah, and fashion. Yeah, totally. So even if you don't want to wear it anymore, it doesn't seem functional. It will have a life somewhere else. And having the supply chains to actually do that and having the infrastructure to do that. So coming back to trends, which I know you're not interested in, but I know what you're going to say. What trend would you like to come back? Oh, I'm going to tell you because I have one and, and, and I'm going to wear it anyway. <laughs> puffball skirts and puffball dresses. I have the most amazing... Ooh. In fact, there's a picture of our mutual friend, the lovely Edward Enfield and Pat McGrath. We all went out years ago in New York City and I wore this woolen, polonic, beautiful puffball dress, which I still mm. have. And it was from Intermix, I remember. So, yeah, puffball dresses I want back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trend from the 80s. Brilliant. I think I've got a memory of you doing the whole rah-rah skirt. I can see oh, that with yeah. you on the box. So I just think a bit of rah-rah, a bit of puffball. Let's bring all it all All of back. the above. Let's bring it back. <laughs> you and your Donna Summer disco ball with your rah-rah yeah. and your puffball. I've got a really strong image now. You got it, babe. It's been so lovely having you join us. Just to close, what's next for mm. June Sarpong? Mm, actually, that's a good question. I'm supposed to be writing a new book. <laughs> so I'm in the process of beginning. How's that going? Well, that's why I said I'm supposed to be writing it. So I'm in the process of starting that. So that should be fun. And, and hopefully we should have something out towards the end of next year. But yeah, no, exciting. Still doing all of my diversity and inclusion work. And I'm loving it. You know, the idea of being able to supercharge some of these conversations um, is, a, is a real privilege and I don't take it for granted. When I first started this work, which is now probably six years ago or so, the thing was I was having to make this argument for why. Then obviously Me Too happened, George Floyd happened, and what happened instead was not the argument for why. Companies were then asking me how. And I hope what the next 18 months will be around the doing. So you've figured out the how, now actually do and actually implement the change and let's turn some of this talk and some of this theory into action. So I hope that that's what the next 18 months entail. 
Well, it's been an absolute privilege to speak with you, June, and hear more about your style journey and important work that you're doing for diversity and inclusion and helping young women to actually be empowered and find their goals. It's been great talking to you. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening and please remember, if you enjoyed joining us, you can subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Personal Threads is brought to you by Ascot Racecourse. The show is hosted by Scott Wimsett and Susan Bender-Whitfield, produced by Little Dot Studios and edited by Content is Queen. <laughs>